This is Over the Line, broadcasting live from the Lyuna Studios. You're worth so much more on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Oh my God, it's a compilation of all kinds of things. Not only is Badger season in full swing as we got a win on Saturday as we were doing the Zone Blitz pregame bash live at the Red Zone Madison, but it is now Packers Bears week. NFL begins this freaking week. Oh, football is back and it is in full force. Rowdy, awesome time on Saturday, brother. How did it feel to be back at the Red Zone and getting uh, a little naughty on Saturdays? Well, first off, it was definitely a hot one. Oh, my God. It was brutal. <laughs> it was definitely was a burnt? hot one. <laughs> Next burn. Thankfully, I was standing in front of the zone sign. Yeah, you had you had it made there. with the. We had the big zone banner out. Rowdy gracefully positioned himself right in front of some nice shade, I would say. Oh, I got a, fried. It was also because I was the one farthest on the right. Yeah, way. I guess I'm the one that set the sign up right there, too. I could have set it up by me instead I did not. Also, it was pretty funny, though, because... The red zone in just Madison in general was pretty packed. Yeah. I would say for a for a tailgate since 2017, that was probably one of the more busy ones. And talking to some of the bartenders at red zone, they said that was probably the busiest, most steady day that they had yeah, had. Especially and, with the, t- the team, the Buffalo Bulls. And that was from like 9 in the morning till like, 6 30 yeah. at night now it did there was for a little bit a line to get inside from the beer garden but again that goes into how hot the effing sun that, was out there that's where i was going with it It was pretty funny because we're out there doing the show for two hours you know 12 30 to 2 30 and the beer garden was yep in, entirely packed but then towards the end of the show when you know the sun is <laughs> Almost at it. Well, oppressive. Nearly, nearly at its hottest and nearly at its highest point. Yeah. The people out in the beer Oof. garden had all checked inside, and the inside was absolutely packed. And everyone that still was outside found all the bits on the outskirts of the beer garden where there was bits of shade. Yeah, the tiny pieces of shade, unless the, you were working and bartender, then you were in the oppressive heat. And Rowdy and I, uh, well, Rowdy had a little shade with that uh, zone banner uh, in the oppressive heat, though. But, dude, I've never, I think we set a record for the amount of listeners that came up to see us uh, that I'd never met before and Rowdy never met before. Amount of listeners that, um, introduced themselves or traveled from around the area. It was one after another, after another, after another. We had so many listeners come. So I want to thank everyone that came out and said hi to us. Rowdy, at one point, um, I, I didn't have to spend any money on beer, Coors Light, for the longest time. I think at one point on our table, we had almost a full 12-pack in front of us from the listeners bringing us Coors Light. So I want to thank everyone for that. I think we only did one shot with the listeners, though. I think it was the Cherry Bomb with G-Dub and Dougie, if I remember correctly. Yeah. um, And KG, the big ticket. To your your point, I did have to pay for some drinks, but that's a story (laughs) for another time that uh, we've already talked about. That was off the clock, though, right, Rowdy? That was was off the clock. That was the extracurricular stuff that uh, was probably unnecessary, but also expected. If doesn't you ran surprise into me at all. <laughs> yeah, it was an awesome, unbelievable time. Hell, I'm trying to think of everyone we had uh, swing through, and I'll try to rattle through it uh, throughout the show today because I know everyone listens at different times. But we had um, uh, our guy Nathan 
drove all the way from Shano. He took his motorcycle. He's, uh, he's like, I was just doing for a motorcycle ride. So Nathan, he came from Shano. I think he's the first one I saw. Uh, we had Daniel and Madison show up. We had the twins, Doug and G-Dub, and their wife, uh, Jen. Uh, KG, the big ticket, came with them. We had um, uh, the, uh, BJ Ashelman and his brother from Mount Horeb. We had... I'm I'm forgetting them already, Rowdy. You remember the other ones that we had swinging through? Uh, we had the There's so many. The two guys from Madison it, were um, originally from Wausau. Damn it, had, was it, was it Biscuit and Biscuit? Yeah, and, I even talked to them after uh, everything was all over. And I said I their name like four I times. I don't know if I ever caught the first name. Biscuit. I'll have to go back and listen to the Zombos speaking. Biscuit and God, they're from Madison too. Damn it. Well, Biscuit and his other friend that was a cool guy that got his Coors Light. Um, a couple other people wanted a lot, of, a lot of Dodgeville people. Yeah, yeah. We talked a little wrestling with our guy Denny Hammond. Some Dodgeville stories. Um, a lot of people wondering where Charlie was down the middle. Johnson. Charlie did not that I knew of, anyways. I didn't see him. I didn't see him. Charlie did not make it. He uh, did call it on Friday. Said his legs were given out. Uh, so many other listeners that came through. Um, uh, as the day progresses on here, it's Monday at, or Tuesday, excuse me, at six oh seven. I'll I'll remember as my coffee starts flowing. But yeah, Tuesday. We had yesterday off, so happy Labor Day. Hope everyone had an extra, you know, extended vacation. And uh, if, if you weren't, you know, spending money, if hopefully you're making money in your job and having a good time. So I hope everyone had a great weekend, you know, no matter what it is that you did. And now we're going to dive into what uh, NFL begins. We got, uh, what, Thursday night, and then the Packers play on Sunday down in Chicago against the Bears. So we are full on football. Brewers, uh, they're freaking dropped another game. So they've dropped two in a row now. They lost to the Pirates yesterday. So they're only two and a half up on the Cubs, but I wanted to get right into it. Oh, Mike and Portage was there. So Mike and Portage, his wife, uh, he brought his dad. He he showed up. Uh, Rowdy got a brand new shirt that was absolutely hilarious from the Twins. Uh, I'll remember as the uh, the day goes on. Rowdy, what did we think of the Wisconsin Badger football team? Uh, the first half. A little left to be desired, but you were calling that all week, you know, even before last week leading up into this game. And then they ran away with it at the end. But the air raid or the dairy raid was uh, kind of what we were talking about uh, the Zone Blitz pregame bash. As more so just we're going to play Wisconsin football and run the ball down your throat. Yeah, it was kind of uh, what I was expecting. It was definitely a slow start from the Badgers on offense. I don't think anybody's going to say anything different. Ugh. Didn't didn't look greatest in the Ugh. first half, especially when uh, you struggled to have a small lead against Buffalo going into the half. Ugh. But, um, yeah, overall they played better in the second half, yeah. pretty much on at all aspects of the football. But uh, slow start, better second half. I think... Overall, when you really think about what this team was and where they were at, probably pretty predictable how they played. But also, I think a lot of people with the excitement and the expectations were hoping for and maybe even to a point expecting for like a 70 to 7 type drubbing. I think more people were expecting maybe Tanner Mordecai to sling the ball a little more. Um, Those two interceptions were pretty tough. Uh, The second one, really tough. Uh, They're pretty tough interceptions, but... You had Ches Malusi and Braylon Allen just running wild. I mean, Ches Malusi, 157 yards, two tutties. That one touchdown he had uh, in the third quarter was absolutely electric. Braylon Allen added another 141 yards and two more scores. So uh, the running game looked good. Yes. <laughs> so much for the air raid when your quarterback, I mean, overall his numbers 24 for 31. It's the picks that really aren't the greatest. But overall, when you look at the passing yards and say, oh, they threw for a little less than 200, but yet your two top backs could still run for about 300 yards Oof. together. Oof. It 
didn't look a whole lot different than what Wisconsin did, just lining up in a new formation. Yeah. RJ, good morning, my brother. Or does that sound familiar? <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, Saturday when we were leading up before you left, we were talking about it's like, you know, what are fans going to say when the Badgers go out there and just play what we normally know and love about Wisconsin football? You just run the ball down their throat yeah. and you don't get an air raid or a dairy raid. Like, what, what are fans going to say? Well, when we were at the red zone at halftime, people were pretty. I don't want to say dejected, but people were pretty like, what the hell is going on? This is not what I was uh, sold. What's happening? Probably should have listened to this show then. (laughs) Right? I mean, Rowdy was all over it. You were all over it. Probably should have listened to Temple and Hyprin. Probably should have listened to the camp. Like, we're going to have, there's going to be some growing pains. It's It's, it's brand new. It's also probably not going to be like this every week. No, like it's, it's a defense or offense that we talked about before. It's going to change to whatever the defense's weaknesses are. There'll be a day where, you know, maybe you only get one 100-yard rusher and then 300-yard receivers. Yeah. Like, there could be a day coming like that. Now, well, Mordecai definitely had his ups and downs yeah. because the the interceptions weren't the greatest. But overall, it's not like he was horrible, horrible. Yeah. No. Like, I get the QBR doesn't look great. Average is 50, came in at 36, so he played at a below-average game. But his efficiency outside of a couple of the well, two picks right. wasn't terrible, especially for a first game. But you look at the competition in Buffalo. Buffalo brought back a probably a, about an average amount of players. So it's not like they were a young, inexperienced team. They were projected when I was looking at this last week to be about a middle of the road to above average Mac team, which doesn't mean they're great, but it also isn't like an FCS or like your bottom of the barrel non-Power 5 school. So it's not like they were terrible, terrible. Yeah. But it's not like they were a good non-Power 5. The one thing I will say is, though, they were replacing almost their entire wide receiver and tight end room and... They look pretty good in the passing. Well, that's the that's thing. Dude, they did look good in the passing game. That's the thing. The defense. I mean, obviously, Buffalo had ten points at halftime. They only scored once, so clearly, yeah. the team looked a lot better in the second half. But just overall, the defense wasn't. It made me after the game thinking I missed the three four. <laughs> well, part of it was they were talking about being aggressive and attacking and fast and clean. Right and. You look at it, that whole first half, they were almost looked like they were playing the prevent. Dude, I mean, <laughs> Fick will talk about it after the game. We'll get the comments. A lot about missed tackles. Missed tackles well, that's the thing. Buffalo didn't go down the field a ton. No. A lot of their plays and passes were yeah. closer to the line of scrimmage. And one, I'll say this. The defensive line, I didn't think they didn't get a ton of pressure on the quarterback. Now, they did have guys hurt that weren't starting that were guys that had started in the past. So that's obviously not a plus. And I'm with you here on this. But they also didn't play the greatest. And when you throw the ball quick passes, mm-hmm. it's hard to get pressure on said quarterback yeah. because the ball's out of their hand quickly. But it is alarming when Buffalo runs for 122 yards. And that's one thing where it goes, yikes. The linebackers, yeah, the Turner thing is... Targeting is it's the so dumbest. Dumb. We've known that since the beginning of you know, the target in college football. It's the dumbest thing ever. I mean, linebacking court, okay. But then it was the secondary. Again, it was more of the missed tackles. Yeah, right. So you guys don't like the do- the dollar package? 
I missed the 3-4 after <laughs> one game. <laughs> the dollar package for uh, Mike Tressel? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if it becomes an okay, aggressive it's one defense, yeah. sure. But, like, the, the odd thing is, uh, listening to the camp um, yesterday, pro football focus credited Wisconsin with 15 QB hurries. I don't recall I don't, seeing I don't, those. I, I don't think I remember <laughs> 15. I remember that. Like, there are a few that I can probably count on one hand that you saw that quarterback go, ah! so <laughs> and, like, miss a screen or something like that yeah. or throw it away. But I, I can't count 15. We got a lot of time to talk about this today. We're here till 10, obviously. And uh, just a broad scope right now for the first segment. We've got some calls coming in as well. and going on 60 on the way. Your overall grade for the first game of the Luke Fickle era for your Wisconsin Badgers? C? Yeah, yeah I was going to go C. with the C, too. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's good good win, you can call it. Not impressive. Was uh, anyone really that impressive in the Big Ten for week one? Uh, if you no. look at what yeah. the Big Ten did, now, not counting games in which Big Ten op- played opponents each played each other, yeah. do you know how many games that they covered? I will say, though, not only Rutgers many. looked impressive even in conference games. <laughs> It had to have been not many. Michigan did not cover. Ohio State. State did not cover. Iowa didn't. Wisconsin, Iowa. Like, these were some of the teams that you expected. Illinois didn't. To uh, come in and, and be better teams in the Big Ten. One? The teams that actually covered, again, not talking not about teams, teams that played yeah. non-conference games. Penn State, which I don't know if you watched the Penn State oh, game. James Franklin made sure that was a fact. James Franklin made sure to score a touchdown with less than 10 seconds left to get the cover. And the over, right? And obviously a lot of people were very upset about that, just calling it Bush League, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. They didn't need to do that. They could have finished. But, yes, you go right down the line. Michigan didn't cover. Ohio State didn't cover. Penn State, it took them the last play. Some people considered it Bush League to cover. (laughs) Wisconsin didn't cover. Iowa didn't cover. Purdue didn't cover. Maryland didn't cover. Illinois didn't cover. The only two teams that covered were technically Nebraska, Rutgers, and then I guess you would throw in Penn State. But Penn State, on a last second, we most of the time probably wouldn't do this type score. Yeah. But to RJ's point about Rutgers. It's a great way to bring back the rivalry, though. <laughs> Penn State, West Virginia. Hell yeah. <laughs> but they overall, outside of Penn State, who barely covered with that touchdown, uh, Nebraska, I guess, covered, but it was still a close game. It yeah. was, I would say, barely a cover. Yeah. But wouldn't you say then Minnesota didn't cover? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what you could say about Rutgers. No, the I, only I, know, thing, I know that, but usually thing, you say the, I don't think the favorite Ru- didn't cover, right? I don't think <laughs> Rutgers looked that great. No, they didn't. They, they're Northwestern, Northwestern just proved to me they're that if go they 12. go 0-12, I won't be surprised. No. I, yeah. I don't see how they're they bad. win more than two games at all. Like, yeah. I think their best shot is winning two games, and I wouldn't be surprised if they go 0-12. Yeah. Do you think they beat Howard? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you, what about UTEP this week? Yeah, no. UTEP, Howard, those are like the, those were the only two that they could probably win. Yeah. But then again, UTEP is favored in Northwestern by a point and a half. <laughs> like, think, think about that's giving, where the mighty is. That's giving Northwestern a field goal. Well, like, and Northwestern scored the touchdown with, like, what, like 20 seconds left of the game? Like, yeah, it was garbage yeah. time. Northwestern, yeah. remember, in 2020, they actually had a pretty decent season, and they had a lot of first-round defensive draft picks. Yep. 
And before that, they were a team that actually won the Big Ten West once Can't within the last what, game? five to seven years. But, yeah, you look at that team now with the, the departures on the coaching staff, the team in general, and what was brought in to coach them and who is still left with no quarterback. Yeah. Um, that Northwestern team, I think, is worse than anyone even thought, and I'm not exactly sure Rutgers – I get Rutgers played well, and maybe they're a little bit better, but I can't just say, man, Rutgers looks good. Yeah. Like, they played a crappy team. So overall, I mean, Big Ten as a whole, no, no one really impressing. At no all. one impressed. No, no one. Nobody. Now, the same thing could be said about the SEC. Yeah. yeah. You know, your big boys in the SEC, when you get right down to it, uh, you, obviously you have your – Alabama's of the world and your Georgia's of the world. And everyone knows that they're going to take care of business, but Vanderbilt as a over two touchdown favorite, they didn't cover against Hawaii. You have Florida straight up losing to Oof. Utah and looking horrible. Words called it. Uh, Missouri didn't cover against South Dakota. Uh, then there was Georgia, UT Martin, Bama, middle Tennessee state. Now Tennessee looked good, but how bad is Virginia? Because uh, Virginia lost a ton of guys, didn't have their quarterback, uh, coaching staff that's newer, Tennessee rolled. Uh, North Carolina, they erased South Carolina. Yeah. Old Miss, Old okay. Miss destroyed Mercer. But it's Mercer. Yeah. And then you have A&M destroying uh, New Mexico. It's New Mexico. I mean, you go right down through it, there wasn't a ton of super impressive games no. coming. Like Florida State whooped LSU. Yeah, they spanked in the second half. Yeah. In the second half, they whooped their ass. Yeah, Florida State put it on. Um, all right, we People get, are questioning whether LSU should fire Brian Kelly. Do it. <laughs> I saw the video do emerge it. of him he dancing around that recruit from a couple years ago. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's so bizarre. We'll talk a lot of college football today. Also, Packers-Bears, oldest rivalry in the NFL upon us. we got Swedes and Brewers in. All right. Real, real quick before you go to the phones. Big Ten, not the greatest week. SEC, not the greatest week. Uh, you know who 12. did have a good week? Pack 12. Pack 12. <laughs> the, the conference man. that is no longer going to be a thing. Like, Don't man. forget about us, man. They, they, oh, did. they went undefeated over the weekend, and a lot of those teams absolutely erased some of the teams that they were playing. But unfortunately, they really won't be a conference next year. So, <laughs> so last gasp. Pac-12 Steal the did show. not lose a game in the opening week for the first time since 1936. Wow. Well, so, wow. Pac-12, the conference that is going to be basically as of right now, the Pac-2 next year. <laughs> Uh, showing out in their last year as a conference. Yeah, they're like, don't remember us. Don't you dare forget about us. RJ, you were in attendance. I'll say at the red zone was immaculate. It was so fun. Uh, Well-oiled machine. The Coors Light was amazing. That's good. Uh, a couple of shots that I had were great. The, the bar staff, better than ever. Uh, you know, more handsome than ever. Let's talk to Nicky Nachos. Uh, but then I saw this. At the game itself, which RJ attended to, uh, this comes from the... Um, uh, let's see, the Wisconsin State Journal. Here's the headline. Quote, like a bad frat party, fans take Wisconsin to task for Camp Randall's speaker volume. Uh, also, people not not happy with uh, the environment, saying it was too loud, yeah. like the bad frat party. Um, people mad that there were, the streets had no name were played anymore. I was that happy with that. There was music over the PA announcer. There's there, music over the refs during, over the refs. during play reviews. Yeah. Did not hear a single 
what actually was, whether it was confirmed or it, it the call stands, you know, whether they found out, whatever. Um, it, also, nope. people like, it was too loud? Yeah, nobody... Nobody I always said if it's too loud, you're too old. But now that I'm getting a little older, maybe it no. Did. Like there were plenty of people in the stands where I sit that are not boomers, that are closer to my age, that were complaining because you can't have a conversation with the person next to you. Now I understand you're at a football game. Yes, there's downtime but, in football games, right? Especially a new the new oh, college football rule. Not anymore. The DJ played music at. Uh, the level of 11 after every play. So they literally went spinal tap on it and turned it to 11? Yeah, I mean, it might have been 12. <laughs> yeah, that's basically the feedback that I saw, not only on Twitter, because yeah. a lot of people say a lot of things on Twitter. Yeah. But yeah. normally, like, you know how, like, when you go on Facebook, it's most of the time older people, but you still get, like, a wide variety of, yeah. of opinions. And I've never seen people that upset with Badger game. So I've, I've never like, seen articles written about it and people just live it like online. Random people that you haven't heard of or seen of or people that don't really post on Facebook yeah. saying how they were at the game and it was terrible. The music was too loud. You couldn't hear anything. You couldn't even hear the referees. You Like... I saw it all over and I, I don't, I didn't see one post that said, Oh, I, I really actually thoroughly enjoyed the changeup. It was all Same. negative thumbs down, thumbs down. And then I actually saw a, um, poll that was who should the Wisconsin, you know, stadium really try and, and draw to like who should like, they yeah. try and who should they really try and cater to like the to? student section that doesn't show up yeah the student section Let's see where that's people uh i think it was under i think it was student section people from 30 to 50 post college 20s yeah and uw students right, see so i actually did... voted in that poll yeah i voted the 30 to i think it was 50. 30 to 50 yeah, that's, and the reason why i voted sense. there was because those are all the people that are bringing all the kids and, and all the, the money and all the yeah and all of the and like you say they're working with more income for the yep. most part they have the kids that are they're going to be the ones then in the next generation bringing their kids yep like the college kids they're they're going to be talked there. about. Yeah, yeah they're, they're going to be there because they like to party and it's the environment yeah. or, they're and, or they're selling their ticket. And yeah. it's their college. Like that's all like this. And they're, they change it every four or five years. Yeah. yeah. Here, here are so far the results with four hours and 22 minutes left in the uh, poll. Where's the poll at? Uh, a, AK shaft. Oh, oh okay. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, boomers at 5%, 30 to <laughs> 30 to 50 year olds, 46%. Post college twenties eleven percent, and the UW students thirty eight. That's that's probably what you want there. Yeah. If if you so, can do fifty fifty between thirty to fifty and UW students, that would be. This article, that's the thing. It was it was people that were thirty that were saying it was too loud. Yeah. There were people that were seventy that were saying it was too loud. There were people that were like early, like twenty. 
223 that were saying it was right. too loud. To that are, like people that were, I guess I didn't talk to anybody in college, but young people just outside of college. Yeah, so reading this article right here, uh, this was a quote, the worst atmosphere we have ever experienced. And it, they're it was, season ticket holders for 25 years. It was not good. Like, no. And nobody here is like ripping on, hey, stop playing rap. No, not at all. Like, they're not playing it. Most of the time, they're not well, playing it with words. They're playing the meds you use. Yeah, the instrumentals. I got yeah. York Daddy goes, I just don't ever want to hear Miley Cyrus party in the USA at a game ever again. Well, you're, that's that's a that's, good, that's a game day song, whether that's, you like that's it or a, not. Yeah. You're going to hear the sing-along songs. Yeah. Uh, people are complaining about the EDM, the techno, and, and the rap beats that are getting played between plays. Like, people were so confused. Like It's like an NBA game. Right. Where they like when they but have always there's an instrumental they, plan. They set a decibel though yeah. indoors. <laughs> Here it was like, let's crank it up. <laughs> and then when they shut down the music right before the snap happens, people were dumbfounded there, and so it got deathly no, were, quiet. Were they doing it when the Badgers were on offense, or just when the Badgers were on defense with the music that loud? Because I get it, like it seemed I, like every play. I get creating a loud, noisy environment when your team is on defense. Yeah. At home? No, they they were playing music pretty much the whole time. Like, I'm, I'm trying to remember now. It, it, it felt like it was on both sides of the ball. Were, were, were people pretty upset that Where the Streets Have No Name wasn't played when they ran out? I mean, or did anyone nobody even, said did anything anyone about notice? it around me. Maybe some other people were. But for even that, they played generic, like, yeah. rap beat. In the Wisconsin State Journal article I was reading, it was a bunch of people that were, like, season ticket holders for a couple decades. And they're like... We're writing letters or emails, and we're going to be letter voices heard. And they're like, yeah, we hear you. We're, we'll try to work on it. We'll do this. We'll do that. But everyone's like, that was terrible. It was not good. Like, And apparently this is the same in-game producer that's been doing the basketball games the past few years. Yeah. And I've never heard anybody complain about a basketball game. Dude, so I was at Taste of Madison yes, or, uh, Sunday, and I heard, and I was talking to people like, oh, did you have fun Saturday? Because I knew they are at the game. They're like, yeah, the game was great. Like everything was fine, except for like it was just so noisy in there. Yeah. It was so loud. Well, that like you couldn't even talk to someone. And the, the DJ played over the band when it was the band's turn yeah. to play, like on Wisconsin or uh, whatever songs the band historically plays yeah. or whatever. Or yeah, just talking over or playing over the referees, playing over the PA announcer, yeah. forcing Mike Mankey to make every third down. And it's third down. Yeah, that's in the article. They're what? like, Mankey was really getting boisterous out there but to get over the, the I music. think he was doing it sarcastically. Oh, really? Like, it sounded like he's just like, what the hell am I doing? Hey, you know, it's a new era. Some kinks to work out. I don't, I don't really care. Like, <laughs> Not only are there kinks him, to work out on the field, let him off, do but the, in the yeah. stadium and off the field yeah. as well. Let Mike Mankey do his thing. All right, phone line's blowing up. Uh, if you were there, I'd love to hear from you. Fickle after the game on Saturday. Uh, wasn't really, I don't want to say happy, but he wasn't too excited. He, uh, was holding back some of his, uh, his, uh, enthusiasm, uh, lack of excitement. I think it was a better word. Um, the game was sloppy because what do we hear coming into the game? We're, whoever we want to play clean and we want to play fast. That's what Luke Fickle said about every clip. We want to play clean and we want to play fast. I don't think the the Badgers offensively or defensively played very clean. Interceptions from Tanner Mordecai. Uh the run game was nice and defensively a lot of missed tackles. Pretty I don't know, a sloppy is that a good word for the Badgers on Saturday Roddy? Sloppy? Yeah, sloppy, disjointed. Um Work in progress. Yeah. I would say the one 
the one thing they did do well, it was running the football. I mean, when you're two, your top two backs both nearly run for 150 yards, and that was a pretty good thing. But outside of that, I don't think they really did anything well. Like, they didn't do anything good yeah. outside of running the football. Like, I'm not super surprised, especially with the slow start and the fact that they look better in the second half. I think I was just more opti- uh, hopefully optimistic that they would actually come out and be gangbusters, right? Like they would yeah. be world beaters and that, you know, the slow start wasn't going to be a thing, even though realistically that was probably what was going to happen. Yeah. And in a perfect world, because we were talking a little bit about Washington State coming up this weekend, in a perfect world, you probably would have played Georgia Southern and Buffalo back-to-back weeks and got your Washington State in Pullman week three, so it would have been kind of like a rev up each week. Sure. But it's not a perfect world. You have to go to Pullman this weekend. Yeah. All right, so uh, Tanner Mordecai. We, uh, we're talking a lot about the ground and pound on Saturday, obviously, because, I mean, Chesma Lucy and Braylon Allen, Allen almost tallied 300 yards. Well, they finished at 298 uh, between the two of them. And, you know, both had some awesome touchdown runs, looking really good. But Tanner Mordecai... There's a couple passes that were good, but other than that, you're like, uh, those interceptions were pretty tough. Luke Fickle talks that he liked, well, he didn't like the interception, but he liked that Tanner Mordecai did not put his head down after the picks. Instead, he tried to get the guy down. The guy could have had a pick six. Mordecai kind of tripped him up, so here's Luke Fickle. You can hesitate. You can get mad. You can throw your hands up in the air. Then all of a sudden, you act like you're going to make the play, and you don't. And in both of the interceptions he made the play the one he made the guy cut back they end up falling but they end up getting no points out of that you know and, and he makes the tackle pretty much on the second one and to me that's more of what I want to see more than anything else uh you know Fickle also talks about uh, it's a big deal how Mordecai reacted to those picks in those times he, he doesn't need another person like myself to come over and kind of ask him exactly what happened and try to give him a little bit of opinion of how to how to correct it. I just my big thing is to look at him to see what his demeanor's like. How does he handle it? And if you look at those two, both those plays, who was the first guy down there to to make the stop? And now, to me that's a big deal. And one more from Fickle before we talk a little Mordecai. He says he follows up kind of what he just said there. No one has to tell Mordecai anything after those picks. It's it's not one you got to talk a lot about. It wasn't a great throw. You know, he underthrew the guy and, and he knows that. He doesn't need you know, a grown man to walk over there and, and ask him what happened and to say, hey, you underthrew that. Yeah, he, he knows he underthrew it. All right, Rowdy, Tanner Mordecai uh, obviously had a lot of yardage coming into Wisconsin, but also had interceptions. Uh, the play of Tanner Mordecai, alarming, concerning, or, you know, this is a new offense, a new system, a new school, and we're just going to have some growing pains. Oh, everything's new for everyone. And like you think about just in general, yeah, it's the air raid, and he played in an air raid, but we've already even talked about how this is a more of a hybrid air raid than the SMU air raid air raid that's closer to the you know the Texas Tech Mike Leach original air raid. Uh, so clearly, it's different offensively for him. It's a new center for him. It's obviously a new offensive line, new receivers, a new offensive coordinator, new coaching staff, new city, like everything is brand new. new. So yeah, the slow start, I get it. But when you look at his numbers, just in general, 24 for 31, 189 yards, one touchdown, two picks QBR of 36. Well, QBR was below average, but you look at the rest of it. 
I mean, 24 for 31, I think blindly, I think most people would probably take that. Yeah. It was just two bad, two bad interceptions. If he would have, if he would have said went 24 for 31, 189 yards, one touchdown, no picks. And the running backs were able to do what they did. And it was the first game. It was against a mid-level, mid-tier Buffalo team. I think we all would have said same thing. Eh, he was a game manager in yeah. the air raid where they were running the ball successfully. And they didn't necessarily have to throw it for 300. And they're working out the Kings. Just because it was two picks, it makes that. QBR go down quite a bit and it makes the stat sheet overall not look as great, but it'll be interesting to see what they get week two when they play Washington state. Cause clearly you're revving up who you're playing. Clearly this is a better, more talented Washington state team. But I think, you know, if Tanner Mordegai so, can go out there and not turn the football over and, you know, say, say he goes 20 for 30, I mean, for two fifty and, Two touchdowns and one pick. It feels like it's going in the right direction. Do you think Luke Fickle and the Badgers are going to go away from what's working in a game? They had 314 yards on the ground. Chesma Lucy, Braylon Allen were rumbling. If something's working, Rowdy, are you going to move away from it? Or are you just going to keep feeding the two beasts? Well, that was the thing. You're going to feed the beasts. If they really were going to have success in how they started out running the football, there was no way Tanner Mordecai was going to throw for 300 yards. Yeah. But that being said, it's still the interceptions. It's the turnovers because it was something that was brought up that when he has played better power five competition, he has turned the football over. Now, Buffalo is not a power five school. Buffalo was a middle to above average max school for projections this year. So that is a little alarming that it was two. But again, it's the first game. If if he goes back out there and plays worse game two against Washington State where we're not seeing any type of, uh, you know, progression. And then he comes back and plays Georgia Southern and we're still getting these type of games. Then you're throwing the red flags. Then I'm concerned. uh, Fickle does talk about, though, quick. It was good to establish uh, what they were doing. Physical and running the ball. And I think that was awesome for them. It was awesome for us uh, to set a kind of a tone and a tempo to make sure everybody understands that, you know, we're a physical football team. We're going to run the football. And, you know, he also talks, um, Rowdy, about they need to uh, play cleaner. Otherwise, it's going to haunt them this year. It's taking care of the football. That's just playing clean. That's leveraging the football defensively and tackling well. And those are the three areas that when you talk about being clean, that that we were not very good on Saturday. Good on the pre and post snap. But the other two, three areas about, you know, leveraging the football defensively, playing with great leverage in the passing game uh, and tackling well. Those are going to be obviously things that uh, if we don't get corrected, will be a Achilles heel for us all year. It feels like when you're supposed to play a Buffalo, you know, week one, you're at home, that you should come out and dominate. And we talked about slow starts pretty much the entire week. But I think some of the more alarming things that that I saw was the fact that clearly that this new defense is not the 3-4 and they didn't get nearly the pressure. Now, I know we talked earlier in the show where short passes closer to the line of scrimmage, it's hard to get any pressure on anyone because the ball's out of the quarterback's hand so quick. So I get that. But the one thing for me was Buffalo still ran for 122 yards. You would have felt like you would have been able to keep a Buffalo team like that under 100 yards. And the other thing is, like we've just been talking about with Tanner Mordecai, you lost the turnover battle two to nothing. 
Like you didn't get a takeaway and you gave the football away. That's why the game was a lot closer than it probably should have been or could have been. Like the tackling issues, like the lack of execution of tackles was alarming for the defense. Well, here's Fickle on the tackling issues in game one. I think that the ability for us to play what's more control, I think that, you know, we, we don't talk about that a whole lot. We talk more about the effort and the energy and your ability to play fast, fast, fast. And, you know, maybe there was a little bit more of an emphasis on that and not as much of, you know, as fast as you can play, but still be under control. And so I kind of had a feeling that might be that way, but I think everybody's a little bit different. Well, I think the one thing that we haven't actually talked about, because it's all been offensively with Wisconsin and the changes, but you look at just both sides of the football, they come in changing their defense because Fickle and Tressel don't play the same type of defense that Jim Leonard or you can go right on through all the other coordinators. They, Dave Aranda, uh, J- Justin Wilcox, Brett Bielema, you know, well, I guess Bielema was 4-3, but Gary Anderson, all those guys played 3-4 defenses. Now, all of a sudden, you come in with a new defense, but yet you kept a lot of the same players that were on the roster with Paul Christ and Jim Leonard that were playing three, four. This is a completely new change in defenses where it's new, new techniques to learn new, new things going on, new schemes. And then also you brought in a lot of new players like your, you know, transfers that came into play, especially in the secondary or, you know, some people here and there, it's a lot of change for the defense too, where you're out there learning new things. You have guys that have never played in camp Randall before, or really have been in Madison making their first appearances, yeah. even though like a uh, Jason Mitre might've been at Boston college, but he's never been in this system with these coaches and, and this though, he was a decent player out at BC. So I think defense really has been neglected on talking about all the change on that side of the football too. So when you see that Buffalo scored 10 points right away, it was a competitive first half because the offense was growing and trying to figure things out. The defense gave up 10 right away, allowed them to, and it, and it was the tackling. So it's not like they got burned deep all the time or a guy busted, you know, 80 yard runs consistently. It was bad tackling and a defense that looked a little out of sync in the first half, tighten it down. Offense looked better in the second half, both sides of the football overall in the second half looked better. Yeah. And uh, I think we're just going to see them get better and better each week. And thankfully they did get a win, but could you imagine because all the focus has been on the offense, if the defense would have been absolute shutdown and Wisconsin didn't turn the football over and, and kind of do the things they did against Buffalo that negatively impacted them. If they had just won 38 to nothing or 38 to seven, I feel like we're even talking about this even differently. Totally. Oh, G up says if bell catches that deep touchdown pass too. I think we talked about this. That's what I'm like. Yeah. There's so many things where it's like this offense might not have looked as good as some people were hoping like 70 points, but if they would have won because the defense shut down Buffalo 38 to nothing, 38 to three, 38 to seven, I don't think we would have said much about the offense. Same thing. If Wisconsin would have converted a couple other bigger plays and say they win, we'll just say they add a couple of touchdowns onto the board. Say they win 52 to 17. I don't think as many people are going to be concerned that the defense gave up 17 points. And we'll get into the Big Ten as a whole as well. No one really looked good in the Big Ten. We'll talk about that momentarily. Uh, First, line one. Good morning. Who do we got? Boys, it's Brett. Hey, Brettsky. What's up, man? 
Hey, did you guys see uh, Graham Mertz uh, accidentally played for the Badgers and, and wore a Mordecai jersey? Is that what that was? Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> Just crazy. I think, I think Mertz slight, had a slightly worse quarterback rating yeah, than Mordecai. Yeah, it was. It, it was... Ever so slightly, I believe. I think it was 34? Yeah, Mordecai was 36, 36. and I think Mertz was around 30. Here, let's see. I have it right here. It's just loading. Mertz was 30.4. Well done, Rose. All right, boys, the Milwaukee Brewers. What an effing win Saturday, Friday and Saturday for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, seven yeah. to five uh, each game. Wow. You think Ben Kenny was gripping his pillow tight oh, both yeah. nights and crying around him? Yeah, just stealing <laughs> stealing two were, games on, uh, you know, at home against the Phillies. And, and obviously at the time is, is the team that's currently the leader of the wild card and had roughly the same record as the Milwaukee Brewers for around the third best team in the NL. And the best part is um, I could – I did the exact same thing you guys did there. I was just trying to think, how would Ben Kenny be feeling now after those two games? But then, unfortunately, the Brewers did hand them one back on Sunday as they blew a 2 to nothing lead. Yeah. But, hey, still uh, won the series, though. Well, yeah, and overall, do? Uh, that same weekend, the Cubs and Reds had a four-game set yeah. because they played a doubleheader on Friday night. Now, if in a perfect world... The Reds would have taken three out of four, but, you but we still live in had, an imperfect world. Really. Yeah, you still got a two-two split, and with that two-to-one series win against the Phillies, technically the Brewers did pick up uh, half a game on both the Reds and the Cubs. And then, obviously, fast forward to last night, which was Monday, and. Brewers couldn't get it done again. That was a disappointing game. Yeah, Brewers up 2 nothing uh, early. What, in the second inning, you had Victor Carantini and Bryce Tarang, I do believe, getting RBIs. And then uh, it kind of, I don't know, just fell apart, I guess. They lost 4-2, to two, so. Well, yeah. it's, the same, it's the same thing with all of the Brewers' big three, with Woody, with Burns, with Peralta. When they get hit, it's normally because they leave pitches out over the middle and then they get hit a long ways and it goes over the thing we call a fence for home runs. <laughs> like that's normally when they get hit hard. Like go back and look, Woody will give up solo shots or go back and look, Freddie Peralta will be dealing for the first four innings. And then the fifth inning comes around and he gives up two home runs for it. It always feels like for the big three in the Brewers rotation, when they do struggle. It's giving up the long ball. And normally it's giving up the long ball when they get to two strike counts and they accidentally leave one that catches too much to the plate. And then somebody obviously takes advantage of that, uh, that error and takes them deep and it's, good old it stinks. But yeah, that's uh, I think if I go back through, remember we were counting uh, Corbin Burns bad starts. Yeah, that would be seven now. Yeah, for the season, the, which would be another L. the most he's had in a season since 2019. And I think we all remember 2019. It doesn't get much much worse for Corbin Burns in 2019. That was rock bottom. Yeah, Burnsy six innings, seven hits, four earned runs, struck out uh, seven, 105 pitches. Yeah, they actually let him go out there for the sixth. I think he was sitting at 92 through five, and I was wondering if they would let him go out there. His arm did not, not fall off, did by not. the way. Did not fall off. Didn't. But I do have this here. Yeah. Real quick, and uh, this is a fan graph for division odds with 26 regular season games left. Let's hear it. 
Brewers have a 76.7% to win the NL Central. Cubs There's the at 22.7%. Obviously, you can do the math. The very small percentage after that is the Cincinnati Reds. Oof. Yeah, we know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. But yeah, still yeah, overwhelming yeah, yeah. favorites oh, yeah, yeah. to win the Central. And if you're just thinking about, oh, well, if the Cubs do make a run and come back, they still have three games left with the Cubs. The nice part about the Brewers and where they're sitting is we're sitting here. It's September 5th. So like that tweet said, there's only 26 days here <laughs> that left crazy? of That's the crazy. Major League Baseball season. But you look at the wild card. I know that that NL wild card is starting to get bunched up where you have uh the Diamondbacks, Reds, uh, Marlins, Giants, they're all within one game for that final wild card spot. But if you look at where the the Brewers are, technically the Brewers have a five and a half, six game lead on the last spot of the wild card. Okay. If you can if you the Brewers should be able to I don't know if they win the division. I could see them falling apart or they should. The Cubs winning, but they should win the division. But there's absolutely no reason why they're not playing baseball in October. Yes. Because there's how would you lose a five and a half, six game lead on what is currently the last place in the wild card in literally twenty six days? That's you have to play some bad. Yeah, you baseball. just have to completely implode. You saw them lose a couple. <laughs> don't Put that out in the ether. But yes, currently on pace right, to win just under 90 games. Let's see here. Um, J.A. Krebs, he just hit me up about Corbin Burns. He said, not my ace. Oh. Well, your ace, Brandon Woodruff, is going tonight, Krebs, against Andre Jackson. For they the need Pirates. an ace-type ace performance. Uh, where does, uh, yeah, where does fastball Freddy fall for you, Krebs? I know Corbin Burns is, quote, not your ace. And Kinger is in the same wavelength as that as well. Where does uh, Fastball Freddy fall for you guys? Uh, Adrian Hauser, by the way, through a bullpen is doing well, said Craig Council. And Garrett Mitchell is tracking toward a minor league rehab assignment, oh. according to Counts. So Mitchell is supposed to meet with a consultant this week to determine the next steps. Also, Aaron Ashby is pitching in the minor leagues, trying to get him amped up, ready to go. Well, let's go, baby. So hopefully the Brewers getting some reinforcements here down the stretch. Also, uh, I know just because he's not uh, a, a big name, but uh, RJ's boy, Julio Tehran, is also doing rehab. Julio! 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 Oh, speaking, speaking of injuries, did anyone see who left the game in Nashville with another injury? Really no. It's an unfortunate one. Keston? Nope. No, 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 no. This is sarcastic. Jesse Winker. Oh, no. Stinker the Winker. I can tell they around his voice. It was sarcastic. Oh, no. uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, on his rehab assignment, you know, I think it was like a, I think it was a quad or something, you know, pulled a little bit. So he's going to be on the shelf a little longer. Linker the stinker. Oh, no. Sorry, Arch. We got Brewers going against the Pirates uh, Game tonight. Two. Game numero two. Woody on the mound. And you look at the Brewers, but we'll, we'll dive heavy in the Packers starting tomorrow, too. BT Dubs got Packers Bears week upon us. But Brewers, uh, two and a half up on the Cubs. I don't know, dude. That series against the uh, Philadelphia Phillies, pretty, pretty nice. And also nice to know that Ben Kenny was really crying to into his pillow. Yeah, it just sucks that they gave away the game on Sunday after having a 2 nothing lead getting later into the game. And then you start the Pittsburgh series, and you look like it's all lined up pretty well when you have your three best pitchers in Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta all lined up only to lose game one of the Pittsburgh game. Yeah, freaking Pirates, man. And that's the thing. It's like... Is this just not totally the Brewers and a Brewer season where it's 
you know, they, they can play the Phillies who are right around the same record as the Brewers, which is right around third best in the NL. And they can find a way to look really good and, and nearly find a sweep winning two out of three. And then they turn around and play the pirates who finally have found themselves towards the cellar, right where you expect them. And then you have your best three pitchers lined up and they'll find a way to lose two out of three. Yeah. So it's how many games are left? You said 20, 26, 26 games, not, not games, 26 days, That's what days left in this major league baseball season. Have the brewers. I don't know why I just thought of this. Have they even had a doubleheader this year? I don't think so. You would know better than anyone. I don't, I don't, I don't think they've had a single doubleheader this year. Since you have to program yeah. the logs. Yeah, that's what, it just jumped in my brain because you know they're, it's, it's nice weather in Pittsburgh. Thank God. I don't think they've had a single doubleheader. In fact, they've only had like two games. Oh, let me scroll the calendar. They've only had like two games somewhat delayed because of weather. Knock on wood. This has been a hell of a season for no cancellations. I don't think they've had a single doubleheader this year. Your Milwaukee Brewers. I'm like because normally you can scroll and it'll do like a yeah, uh, kind of like a line through the box of the day showing that there was two games. I don't. I don't think they have. Unless, unless I'm forgetting one. I don't think so though. I'm not seeing one. <laughs>